0: Ephesians 4:13 This work must continue until we are all joined together in what we believe and in what we know about the Son of God. Now then, let's open the Bible. Should we judge? Should we judge one another? Who should judge? Who should we judge? What should we judge? This topic is so important and so crucial because I see the phrase thou shalt not judge being thrown around on social media a lot these days and I mean those were the words of Jesus right? But understanding the Bible goes beyond just lifting one verse of scripture and just throwing it around. It goes way beyond that. If you want to understand what the Bible is saying, you must have a high regard for context. The Bible is not just an ordinary piece of literature. Uh, like a storybook that you just read and you understand what the writer is trying to say. No, the Bible is an inspired compilation of divine instructions and you have to study it. In fact, you have to be taught the principles of studying the Bible and then you have to apply those principles often so that you master them. That way, you're able to easily understand and assimilate the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Now, let's dive into it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, Jesus Christ says, Judge not, lest ye be judged. In other versions, you say, Don't judge other people so that God will not judge you. First of all, God is going to judge everyone. He is the supreme judge of the world. We're all going to stand before him on judgment day. We know this much. Sometimes you'll see some parts of scripture that seem to contradict other parts of scripture. Settle down with that verse, that passage. Study it extensively. Now we have the internet, thank God for that. A lot of times you'll find websites that will help you to, you know, bring up similar verses or verses that talk about that topic so that you can study everything together as a whole picture and understand what the message really is. With that being said, let's study Matthew chapter 7 properly. When you open Matthew chapter 7 in the Bible, it's clear that Jesus didn't start talking in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 7. He started talking before that. Chapter 7 is a continuation of a sermon. So we go to the beginning of that sermon and then we look at number 1. Who were the people that Jesus was talking to? What era was Jesus Christ in? And what was he trying to communicate unto them? The sermon starts from chapter 5. He started with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus Christ was addressing the state of their hearts. He goes on to verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine that all may see and glorify your father which is in heaven. What is that saying? Jesus Christ is talking about your ambassadorial duties as a Christian, as a believer. He's talking about your understanding of the life you are called to live. The fact that you know that now that you are a believer, you carry the name of God. You are connected to his reputation and as a result of that, there is a standard of life that you simply must live up to. And this not for your glory, this not for your praise or for your credit, but to give glory unto God your Father. He goes on and on addressing so many other matters of the heart, placing the state of the heart on an even higher level of importance than the actual action. He says the law has told you not to kill but I am telling you not to even hate your brother. Before you come to the altar with your sacrifice, with your offering, with your gifts, go first to your brother with whom you have a malicious quarrel and clear that up, settle it. What he was saying here can be translated into our own time as before you come to fellowship, before you fellowship with God, even in your secret place, make sure your heart is free of any malice towards anyone. The law says you should not commit adultery. Jesus says don't even think about it. The state of the heart. Now, Jesus was talking to Jews. These people were Jews. Jews bound by the law. And you see the thing about the law. The law Establishes a performance mentality. You tend to magnify your own idea of success in line with your performance. How well you are able to keep the law. How many of the laws you have not broken. Oh, today I haven't lied. Today I haven't even looked at anyone lustfully. Today I haven't done this. You're counting your your points. You're giving yourself marks. You're giving yourself credit. This is exactly what is called righteousness by works. You're beginning to look at yourself as righteous because of how well you have done and righteousness by works is nothing but a filthy rag before God because no matter how well you do on your best day, you're still unable to meet up with God's impeccable standard. So these are the kinds of people that Jesus was talking to. He was trying to help them to see beyond that hypocritical nature that the law instills in you which is why the Pharisees were the most hypocritical. And he addressed them. He said, don't be like the Pharisees. When they pray, they pray in the public so people can see them. Prayer is amazing and we need it. We need to do a lot of it. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. Pray every day. Pray as often as you can. But then the Pharisees had a way of praying for the recognition of people. They want people to see. It's because they were the teachers of the law. So they had that hypocrite syndrome even more than other people and because everyone was looking up to them, they were setting the example for others. The Pharisees prayed, despising other people, God, I thank you because I'm not like this other person. And Jesus Christ was condemning that behavior. So, when he got to the part of his message that is captured in chapter 7 verse 1, Judge not lest ye be judged. He was addressing the tendency of a hypocrite to look down on someone for messing up or for failing or for stumbling in an area where he himself has fallen or stumbled in or just for the fact that he himself has also stumbled in other areas and that is the problem with the law it makes you a hypocrite in the sense that you are prone to look at other people's faults and other people's failings with a sense of condemnation forgetting that you yourself are not perfect The word judge has more than just one meaning and the context of the passage in which it is used is what will help you know what meaning this word stands for here. There are so many examples all over the Bible where a particular word is used in different ways and means different things. John chapter 7 verse 24 Jesus says stop judging by the way things look. Be fair and judge by what is really right. There Jesus is telling you to judge. So you ask Jesus, which one is it? Should we judge or should we not judge? Here in John chapter 7 verse 24, Jesus is encouraging us to judge rightly, to judge fairly. Now here is the real crux of the matter. The way the Bible describes God's design of the church, we are supposed to be looking out for one another. We're supposed to be helping one another to stay accountable because the world is full of temptations, and many things that the devil has set up to distract you from the work that Jesus Christ has called you to do or from the life that Jesus Christ has called you to live. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul was writing to the church in Corinth and he says from verse 1, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. Verse 2, And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he that has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Now, Paul was saying, I've heard that there are crazy things being done amongst you guys that even the unbelievers are not doing. Somebody in the church is having sex with his father's wife. Instead of him to be remorseful, he's proud about it and they're both coming to church together as if all is well. And Paul says, put them away from your midst. Now, check this. He says in verse 3, For I verily am absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present, concerning him that has done this deed. Another version says, I cannot be there with you in person, but I am with you in spirit, and I have already judged the man that did this. I judged him the same as I would have if I were really there. Clearly the word judge here is different because Paul is talking to a church. He's talking to a group of people who are governed by the Spirit. As opposed to the people Jesus was talking to, those people were governed by the law. So the word judge here is different. Paul is talking about an assessment based on the word of God. I have assessed based on the word of God, this person has done evil and is not remorseful. That is not an expression of the Christ nature. So that person should be put away from your midst. That person is not one of us. And then he goes on to talk about how People like this who do not care that they are publicly living a life that contradicts the faith, yet proclaiming membership in the body. They don't care that what they're doing is not helpful to the work of Christ in that the people looking at us as representatives of God are seeing these things happening in our midst and they're wondering what's going on with you guys. I thought you said you represent God. Why are your people doing this and that and this and that? And so Paul is saying, put them away from your midst. Don't let them come into your midst. Don't fellowship with them. Don't dine with them. Don't eat with them. When he says, hand them over to the devil, it's not, I mean, you can't literally take someone to the devil and say, oh yeah, take, take this person. What he's saying there is cast them away from your midst. Expel them. Now in the end of chapter five, Paul says in verse 12, it is not my business to judge those that are not part of the group of believers. God will judge them but you must judge those who are part of your group. The scriptures say, make the evil person leave your group. The word judge here is more like an assessment to assess what your brother and your sister in the faith is doing according to the standards of the word of God and to be able to lovingly tell them, yo, bro, what you're doing is wrong. Fix up. This is not a good way to represent our faith. Let me give an example of how I personally have experienced this. I've had people DM me many times in the past and say, bro, this thing that you retweeted or this thing that you tweeted, according to the word of God, don't you think this is wrong? And then I'm like, wow, you're right. That's true. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. I'll take it down. And they're like, no, it's okay, bro. We're looking out for one another, which is why if somebody who is a fellow believer, especially somebody in your church, because, I mean, you're both under the same pastor, you're both under the same discipleship structure. If that person jumps in your DM and says, bro, this thing that you tweeted, don't you think it's wrong? You shouldn't take offense. It's from a place of love. Now, the message is two-way. The person who is also judging, is it from a place of love? Or are you being like the Pharisees, puffing yourself up because you feel you have done well where this person has faltered? If that is the state of your heart, don't say anything. Don't judge. Because you yourself, you are not perfect. But if your heart is... But if there is love in your heart for this person, then you can say something. Then you can judge. Bro, you didn't try with this one that you did. Sis, this one, no. Mm -mm. You should correct this. You should delete this. You should take this back. You should apologize to this person. You should stop doing this. You should stop saying this. You should stop talking like this. You should stop acting like this. These things are important for us as believers. It's not strange for you to falter, for you to stumble. What is strange is for your fellow believers to point out your mistakes to you in a loving manner and you reject their correction. That is pride in your heart and that is not the work of the Holy Spirit. So you need to address that. You need to remind yourself what the Word of God says. It is okay and much more than okay, necessary for us to judge one another within the faith as long as we're doing it with love. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Another version says, Brothers and sisters, someone in your group might do something wrong. You who are following the Spirit should go to the one who is sinning. Help make that person right again and do it in a gentle way. But be careful because you might be tempted to sin also. Help each other with your troubles. When you do this, you are obeying the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? Love your neighbor. So if you're looking out for your brothers and your sisters in the faith and you notice that something is off with them at any point, don't unlook. Reach out to them in love, in meekness, and let them know, Bro, I have judged your action based on the word of God that we both hold in high regard and this thing that you did is wrong, you should fix up and that person, because that person also has the spirit of God inside them, should be able to say, yes, you are right, this thing I have done is wrong and just go before God with a broken and a contrite heart because that is what God wants from us. At the root of it all is love and if you love people, you will correct them when they are wrong and if you are meek, you will accept correction when you are wrong. The Bible says that love and meekness are both a part of the fruit of the Spirit. So if you have the Holy Spirit, you have these two virtues in abundance. Should we judge one another? Yes. Yes, we should. It's the best way for us to keep one another accountable and hold one another up to the standard that Jesus Christ has set for us. Thanks be to God who has called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. That light shines from within us and testifies that we have eternal life. Eternal life in Christ Jesus.